Who shined at the Reese's Senior Bowl this week? Minnesota Vikings were there, and they were on the field watching all these prospects, trying to figure out who might be a great addition in the NFL draft to this Minnesota Vikings team that's trying to win a Super Bowl. So who shined? Who disappointed? And how much does this really matter? We're going to talk about all that and more here on The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show, hosted by Tyler Bornis. The managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire. Writer for the College Football Network. Publisher of Substack Run In Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry. On the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. As well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis, and with me, as always, top right corner, he is producer Dave. We are here to talk about the Reese's Senior Bowl, how much it matters, and we've already had some of these conversations, so some of this will be a little bit of overlap, but understanding how good some of these prospects were and how that matters moving forward is each individual is different, and having those conversations and being able to contextualize is really important to the draft process, so we're going to have all of those we're going to briefly touch on a couple mock drafts and mock, my, the mock draft roundup that I released today on vikingswire.com. And then we're going to get out of here. And let me tell you, we have a surprise for you on Wednesday, but I'm not going to tell you yet. You're going to have to stick around until the end of the show to find that out. It's going to be a good one. So let's, let's start having the conversation, Dave. Overall thoughts from you on the Reese's Senior Bowl. Obviously, you watched from home. You were not in Mobile. So you had a different perspective than I did. And I think it's important to be able to see different perspectives, especially when it comes to the NFL draft. What did you see in your viewing of the Reese's Senior Bowl? Not enough coverage on this end. Uh, They bounced back and forth, right? I was interested in the round bellies, and they're showing the wide receivers and corners. And I bitched about that all weekend. Um, But for me, what... My takeaways are that there are certain areas that are are beefy. The O-line group this year is very, very talented, and you can see that. You look at some of the receivers, and you say there's a couple that are, are decent, and then there's a whole bunch that are like, well, it's not as – they don't look as good as you know previously mm-hmm. hyped. We didn't get the top ones like um, Harrison and stuff, but they're not – they didn't look as good as I wanted. And part of that was because the quarterbacks there didn't look as good as people had hoped. Some of them looked downright like, is this guy even going to get drafted type? Um, and I know that we look at it with a different lens. We're looking for that next starter. And some of those young quarterbacks might be good at, a hey, this is a future backup prospect. Mm-hmm. Like Jaron Hall, even, um, but it's it was it was what it was. The weather was good. I appreciate that. It was good thing to watch, and I love doing it because it gets us in the mood to start the draft preparations as we already have. Right? It gets you. You get to see some of the players, and you get to look at them in person or on TV, and go, "Hey, you know," because you may not have caught the games. I didn't see that many Oregon games. Matter of fact, I don't think I saw any of them. 
this last season because, one, I don't watch that much college football, and two, I'm in Texas. So that's not a it's not a local team that's going to be shown a lot. So it's it's good to see these players. It's good to see them in pro quasi pro systems with pro coaches asking them to do different things. Now, I do know when we're sitting there looking at them, we cannot tell are they doing what they're being coached or asked to do. Right? Are they mm-hmm. we may see a player run a route or do something in blocking or do something um I related to O line, maybe a, a kick slide to go back. Well then mm-hmm. maybe a offensive line coach says, No, I want you to do the hop, right? Where they're hopping back. Yep. And it's a different technique. And they are evaluating how can can he do both? Can he keep his feet running in a bop 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 bop? Can he do kick slide back to get more distance and then set? Can he do the hop if it's especially like a center? Um, if he's getting power and do that slow bop, 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 bop thing. And we don't know what the coaches are asking them. You probably don't know. You may hear, but you don't know. And seeing them do something different may be different from what they did during the season. So the season tape plays the biggest portion of it. And then can they adapt and are they showing something at the Senior Bowl that they didn't show during the season because they weren't asked to show during the season. Things like that just absolutely fascinate me. Yeah, I agree 100%. Oh, man. I saw a lot. Let me tell you, my face saw some sun. Uh, If you remember from the shows last week, I got burned to a crisp and I wasn't the only one. Uh, So where the media sit, it faces south. So like this entire side of my face... Man, it looked like a medium rare steak. wasn't great, but uh, we you live, you learn, and we're going to make sure we're more prepared next year for those instances. But didn't really expect it was 60-degree temperatures, like 80, 90. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. 60? Ugh, man. Oh, dude, you get sunburned in any temperature. We, uh, uh, Imagine how white you have to be to get sunburned in 60-degree temperatures. Oh, it's it's not the temperature. It has anything to do with it. When we <laughs> used to ski, when I used to ski when I was younger, that was a big thing is you could get sunburned on your face really easily because the sun, one, you're higher in altitude, so the radiation is more, and two, it bounces off that snow. And you come out to the end of the day, and you're just cooked, and you have goggle lines. Around your eyes. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And let me tell you, I'm going to have some sunscreen next go around. But we had a great time. Uh, Spent most of my time with four other guys. And we shared an Airbnb, including Arif Hassan. Most of you know Arif. Great human being. Better writer. You ever want to feel inadequate? Go read Arif's writing. It's incredible. Like it's, it's next level, but we had a great time, but it wasn't just about the camaraderie, which was a lot of, it was about learning about football players and understanding some of the context. So uh, we've got a question in the chat right now from Andy asking if I still have Nixon the fourth. Yeah, I do. Uh, No matter if you thought he was really good or really bad this week, 
I think the one thing that was constant, I don't think he did anything to alter his draft stock. I think he showed who he was. And if you think that player is good, you thought he had a good week. If you don't think that player is a good NFL prospect like myself, you didn't think he had a good week. I, I really don't think you saw anything new. You saw anything to alter what your opinion would have been. And that's fine. It also doesn't really do a whole lot for the draft stock uh, on a, on like a broad scale. I thought Michael Penix did a little bit better than Nick's this week. Um, he wasn't exactly great. He still struggled with dealing with pressure up the middle, but I saw some good things. I saw a lot more good things from him than I did from Bo Nix than I did from most of the other quarterbacks. Doesn't make me any more excited. If the Vikings were to take him at like 12 or move back up in the first round or the second round, like I still have a lot of questions about Michael Penix jr. And the tough part about his questions that I thought a reef earlier today on his show, the Minnesota football party said really eloquently. It's not that he has a lot of issues. It's that his issues are a lot harder to fix. The, the footwork, the, how he uh, throws the football with his arm angles, like stuff like that. He's 24. He's had a lot of starts and those things are not easy to fix in a general construct, not just the fact that he's a little older. So I have real concerns about that. I, I still think he's somebody who could go on day two. We'll see. Uh, we'll kind of see both those guys. But uh, his production, Phoenix's production was very, very good. And I know Arif says age, if you're an older player, he's looking for more production out of you mm-hmm. than a younger player with potential. You know, when we think Jaden Daniels is what, 21? Yeah. Um, there's room there. So if you're older, hopefully you've already filled up that room and there's you have less heights to go. And with Penix, it's do the coaches, does KOC, and you were asked, did you see him there? Does he think he's good enough that he can take him that next further step up at this age? I don't know. Yeah. Here's my thing with production. I think it's important, and I also think it doesn't matter at all. Uh, you want to see a 24-year-old whip up on 19, 20-year-olds. But I also don't think when you're talking about projecting it to the NFL, production is a construct that I don't think matters a whole lot. And you'll you'll hear fantasy football analysts say that uh, production matters a lot to them. But that's their whole game. Their whole game is production. Their whole idea of football is completely different than how an NFL team is going to want to build out their roster. So their whole idea of football is they want passing yards. They want touchdowns. They want all these metrics. It's not about winning and losing. And that's where things can differ. So a guy like Romo Dunze, uh, his first year is the COVID year. And then he really didn't have that large breakout until his third year in college. That's not, that's not really his fault. It's a lot of it has to do with the fact that Jimmy Lake stunk and absolutely tanked that team. And they didn't really have a good quarterback. Like there are contact contextual things and it's not just in a vacuum. Hey, he just had a late breakout. I'm out. There's rhyme or reasons to everything. And you have to be able to contextualize it. And that's why I think as much as production matters, it really doesn't. 
and it's not to offend people who are big fantasy football people. They're trying to sell you a different product than myself. They're trying to sell you how to win your fantasy football team. I'm not. I'm trying to tell you how this guy is going to play in the National Football League and how they're going to play well. And you know what? If they don't win you a fantasy title, that's all right. I'm that's that's not why you're here. That's not why I'm here. So I don't really believe that production means a lot. You have to contextualize every player. You have to look at them in their situations. You have to look at how they play, why they play the way they do. And that's, I think, why I'm so low on Bo Nix. His offense is smoke and mirrors. He's not like he's not running a traditional style offense, even in the college sense. It's hey. I'm just going to, th- I'm going to throw short. I'm going to throw to a wide open guy that's schemed open. And you know what? That's great. You want them to hit those guys and it's not bad that he's hitting those guys, but you know what is bad? You put him in a system with real progressions and he's got to go one, two, three, four within three seconds without panicking and bailing the pocket or making a poor decision or poor throw. I don't trust Bonix to do that. And that's why I'm out. There's a difference between being a good college quarterback and being a good NFL quarterback. And Bonex is a good college quarterback, good Saturday player. I don't see it in the NFL. But enough about Bonex. We've talked about Bonex ad nauseum on the show. You can check out our episode of Skull Search, which you can find pretty easily on our homepage, youtube.com slash Vikings First and Skull. I think 92 is the is that. Look, good Saturday player. But let's talk about some players who did a lot for their stock. And I, I'm we're going to start off negative here. Okay. Um, I want to talk about a couple of players that I thought were just not good. And the first one was North Carolina West wide receiver. Devon says Walker. I thought Walker had a really poor week. We've talked about Walker on the show before. I have a full write up on him. I gave him a third round grade. I actually docked him a couple points on his full evaluation because of how poorly he played. And when it comes to how you contextualize senior bowl, you want to use it to prove or disprove the priors you get from the film. Or if you haven't watched the film, you use that as kind of a baseline. Okay. I saw this in mobile. What does the film look like? Because I saw him be this just dynamo explosive player. Well, if that doesn't show up on film, that raises other questions. So with Walker, my big thing was, I thought he was DK Metcalf or Marquez Valdez scantling build deep threat, Use them on comebacks, use them on slants, use them on crossers, and you use them on goes. He's not going to run in breaking routes. He's not going to run out breaking routes. He turns like a cruise ship. You, you know what I'm talking about. Some guys just can't turn. And you know what? That's fine. You can live like that if you're good enough. Well, Walker also measured in at 6'1", 197. Nowhere near the size that everybody expected him to be. You pair that with the poor performance... He had four drops on Thursday alone. Now, for those of you who are new to what the senior bowl is, receivers usually get 10 to 15 opportunities to catch the football. So it's a good amount. You can make a real impact with that amount of touches, but it's not a significant enough amount where four drops is any form of acceptable. And he goes into the game, drops a couple. Tez Walker, I just don't see as a really capable NFL wide receiver. And to me, like it showed what he couldn't do, 
It emphasized it even more. It fully answered my question that he can't turn. And if you fully answer that question, that is a big red flag to me because you can have questions about a player's game, but then seeing them prove it in a format like that, where one-on-ones are designed for wide receivers to win. He couldn't turn and he's not alpha enough to be that true vertical threat consistently. DK Metcalf is. DK Metcalf is so good at the things he's really good at that it's okay that he's not good at the other things because he's just an alpha. And if you're going to live like Devontae Walker lives, you better be an alpha. He's just not. And I, I came away very, very disappointed. The other guy that I was disappointed in was Penn State cornerback, Kalen King. Uh, King was getting first round buzz going into the year. I thought he had a decent year at Penn State. I didn't get a chance to fully watch it, but that will come in time because he does have all the tools to be a good prospect. But man, Dave, he got torched like I was playing corner against these guys. It wasn't good. <laughs> like and Arif played corner on that video he did a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Just brutal. And it's unfortunate because cornerbacks are not supposed to be successful in these drills. So when they are really successful, it's like, okay, that's a dude. And we're going to talk about a couple of those guys. It was unfortunate to see him struggle that much, not just for his NFL prospects, but you don't ever want to see a guy struggle like that. And it just stinks because now you're probably looking at a guy who goes around three, maybe around four when he had legit first round buzz. Unfortunate, but he's his own corner. So if you're okay with him losing him man coverage reps, you probably aren't thinking twice about the senior bowl. Which is why context matters. Context matters. Speaking of things that matter, before we get on to our our big winners of the week, let's talk about our sponsor, Dave, our friends over at Underdog Rescue Minnesota. Now, I was talking to some friends the other night. They just brought in a really cute Frenchie who's white, and his name is Winston Churchill. Just a cute little doggy. And... Trying to convince the wife probably won't work, but everybody knows how much I want another little buddy for my sweet Odie boy. And they have a lot of wonderful options ready to come home and give you all the love in the world. They, they rescue dogs from, uh, they take in private surrenders. They take in dogs from overcrowded shelters. They take in breeder releases. You name it. They make these dogs happy and healthy. And I highly recommend if you need a dog, hit them up on underdogrescuemn.com. They got all kinds of breeds. And for lack of a better term, their inventory of, of dogs is ever changing because so many dogs get adopted. They have new ones coming in and you can change a life and it won't be the dogs. It'll be yours. Well, yeah, you'll change the dog's life, but you get what I mean. Now, now we've talked about our great friends at underdog. Let's talk about some winners. Roman Wilson, the wide receiver for Michigan, probably the biggest winner uh, of any of the wide receivers. And wide receivers usually have a great week in Mobile because not only are they in a position that people love to watch, those one-on-one drills, you, you can make some noise because you get some immediate separation. Just remember Tank Dell last year. 5'8", 163, 
just dominates. Goes third round. CJ Stroud tells Houston, I want Tank Dell. Go get me Tank Dell. So they did. And boom. Chi-Town, thank you. And you know what? It's one of those things we want to help our friends at Underdog. But if you go get a rescue dog, hell yeah. That's that's how you do it. Go support rescues. There are a lot of good ones out there. Just make sure you know which ones are the good ones. Some are not as good. Just be careful. Some will take advantage of you. Others are phenomenal. I've, I've talked to plenty in this town that are great. Wilson on his film was very interesting because we know they didn't like to throw the ball. Uh, They wanted to run and play great defense. So Wilson didn't have a ton of opportunities. Well, when he didn't have a ton of opportunities, it's harder to really fully judge what he is. And one thing that was interesting to me was I didn't see him in press coverage. What Michigan would do a lot is use him on motion, jet motions, orbit motions, get him really moving fast at the snap. And then he could turn the corner kind of like what Tyreek Hill was doing in Miami. So it was like, okay, can this guy win against press? Can he win against like really tight man coverage? Well, then he just went out there and did that for two days. And then he didn't even have to do anymore. Like this is the kind of guy that can now change a team because he's shown that he can do a little bit of everything. And to me, that's the biggest thing, right? It's fine that you can do something, but when you're given the opportunity, how are you going to respond? How are you going to grow and develop? I bumped Wilson up in my rankings because of he answered that question for me and he answered it emphatically. Will he be able to do it consistently in the NFL? I don't know. Very few players are able to do it really consistently in the NFL, but I'll, I can tell you this. And I can tell you this with certainty. Roman Wilson can do it. And because I know he can do it, I feel a lot more comfortable with him being uh, taken in round two. Good football player. And he showed a little bit. Let's talk about another good football player. Somebody we've talked about on this show before. New Hampshire running back Dylan Labe. I like Labe. He's a member of the all four and team. And one of the big things about Labe that he had to answer was how athletic is he? How good of a football player is he to translate to the NFL level? Because he played technically three levels down. You have the FBS. You have that group of five in the FBS. So like your schools like South Alabama, Southern Miss, Appalachian State, still above the FCS level, but not quite a power five. Then you have the FCS where Dylan Lobby was at New Hampshire. Good football player. I talked to him down there and I asked him like running backs don't learn how to run routes from the slot. They just don't. That's not a part of the coaching mechanisms. That's not a normal process for development. So how did that happen? And he told me straight up like, look, you already know the running back playbook and we trust you completely. Go learn how to be a slot receiver. It's like, okay. So we did. They use him like people talk about using Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey's not used as a slot anymore. He's a running back. But those conversations, those conversations 100% can be had about Lope. 
Really impressive football player. Guys, I see your questions in the chat. We're going to get to some of that stuff here, okay? Um, I will get to them at the end. But I want to get through all this stuff, and we got a couple things to talk about, and then we're gonna we're gonna answer those questions. I promise you, I am I'm not ignoring. We're just gonna have a structure here, okay? So let's continue on. Quarterback, the one quarterback that was really really good. He wasn't elite, but he was good, and he was consistent. That was South Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler. A lot of people remember him from that QB one series on Netflix completely different human from what was portrayed on that show. He was humble. He was kind. And he was just so happy to be there playing ball. You could tell that it was, he was nowhere near the human that was portrayed on that show. I don't know what his NFL potential is going to be Dave, because look, he struggled the last three years after 2021. There were real conversations. Sorry. After 2020, this dude's going to be the number one pick in 2022. And then he didn't. He struggled a lot. The whole University of Oklahoma turned on him. And he left. And went to South Carolina. Seriously in Oklahoma, in Norman. Mm-hmm. He ended up going to uh, South Carolina. I'm like, you know, you had a connection with Shane Beamer. Why was that so important to you to kind of help, you know, not rehab your football career, but to be able to continue it and take a positive step forward? And he uh, he said that uh, the presence of Beamer was re- really important in that. And it's easy to see why Beamer is a very liked coach and obviously made an impact on Spencer during his time at Oklahoma because they were they were there together. Beamer helped recruit Rattler to Oklahoma. And Rattler has every ounce of arm talent. He has the ability to maneuver, scramble, avoid pressure. He's not an elite mover. He's plenty good enough. Think of how you view Patrick Mahomes' movement ability. Like he's good at it, but he's not elite. He's not a truly great runner, but he can evade pressure. And that's kind of the same level that you're talking about Rattler. Same kind type of athleticism, same type of maneuverability. Mahomes is much better at it, but that's the construct of what we're working with here. And then Rattler's got a top tier arm. I think with Rattler, you could see him drafted on day two because his arm talent, Dave, is absurd. It's so good. But being able to get him to utilize proper decision making, proper processing, it's going to be the real battle. I don't know if he has that in him anymore. And it's not an insult. It's just, we're just kind of speaking in facts. Like he hasn't really shown that. So I'm kind of intrigued to see what that ends up looking like and if he'll be able to get there. But Rattler Brian, had a really good week. Brian asked, why was he good in Mobile? Why, why did he shine in Mobile versus. At Oklahoma and then Carolina. Consistency. He was making smart decisions. He was making good throws. Uh, he did have a really brutal interception where they lined up cover two and then it was cover one robber. So you have one guy over the top and then one safety sneak underneath and he threw it right to the robber. Uh, not a great rep. Not even a good rep. It was really bad. But overall, he had some really good throws to the outside. It hit some nice dimes on corners and goes. He was just consistent. He was a consistent player 
all week long. And to me, that was a big thing. And sometimes you have to prioritize consistency over raw talent. But Rattler displayed both in Mobile. So it, he remains intriguing. But you can't, you can't overemphasize the fact that he was really good here. You still have to look at the film. And the film has a lot of questions. You have to be able to figure out those answers. Next up, a guy I was watching earlier today because I hadn't actually fully watched this film yet. Missouri Edge, Darius Robinson. This dude, look at him. Look at how long those arms are. Look at how yoked he is. He is 6'5", 286, 34 and three-quarter inch arms. That is a big dude. And one of the things that really impressed me about him was his ability to play everywhere. Now, I, I have a comparison. And it's not a one-to-one comp. But the way he's built with his body, his frame, and his length, and the way he's versatile along the defensive line, it's eerily similar to J.J. Watt. Watt would play inside. He'd play outside. He'd be like a, a f- true edge rusher. Same same kind of build and frame with the length. I don't think Robinson is a, a Watt-caliber prospect. But if you want that style of player, that archetype, Robinson's your guy. He's got a lot of talent and he's got the ability to do a lot of different things. His win rate on the inside at three technique or four eyes, 13.3%, 18.8 when he gets to five technique or six technique, and then anything where he's completely outside uh, the tackle, 19.1%. This dude can win everywhere. He doesn't quite have the elite athleticism to be able to win truly from the outside with like consistency, but he can win from the outside. I want to see him develop a little bit more of a pass rush plan, but he had that in one-on-ones, so you know he can extract it. And he flashes it. But consistency is so big with defensive linemen, I want to see him develop that. And I think he can. He's a very, very fun football player to watch, and I'm excited to kind of see what that ends up looking like. Um, But I think he's a five-tech. I think he, I think you play him kind of like how you play Dalvin Tomlinson. I think that's, that's what you're looking at. All right. I got to just, which one comfortable in the chair today push from, you know, not just the edge, but from the interior of the defensive yep. line as well. Vikings very well could use that. Mm-hmm. Anthony's in the chat saying Robinson's like a young peak Jadavian Clowney. Um, I'm going to respectfully disagree. I think they're completely different players, uh, completely different ways of winning, completely different body profiles. I I don't see that at all, but let's continue on Louisville wide receiver. Jamari thrash. I thought had a phenomenal week. And if it weren't for Roman Wilson, he would have had the best week of any wide receiver in mobile. The biggest thing with thrash that I had questions about was the physicality. Can he be, can he overcome corners being physical with him? Can he win down the field despite that element of physicality? It's 180 some pounds. That's not exactly a good weight for a guy that struggles with physicality. Well, he showed that in two consecutive reps on goal routes, fought through immense physicality, caught both touchdowns. These are just one-on-one drills, but that matters. He showed he can do it. So now I think I believe you can project to be like, hey, 
you can extract this from him. You may still need to work a little bit more on the on the body. Um, you may need to like beef him up just a little bit, but he showed the consistency. He showed the tracking. He showed the physicality. And he showed the hands. It's a guy I want on my football team. And I think Thrash is probably a round three guy. He could go in round two, but is a really deep receiver class. So it wouldn't shock me if he fell to round four because of how deep the receiver class is. Like You're going to see a lot of interesting results from these guys. And Thrash is another one. Dave, I'm going to make you happy. You know how I'm going to make you happy? We're going to talk about a big round belly. Mm-hmm. UConn guard Christian Haynes. Haynes is just a dirty, dirty guy. And I, I don't mean that in as he's cheap shots, people. I mean that as gritty, down and dirty, playing physical, old school, hard-nosed football. He's going to grip you, and he's not going to let go. Just a physical monster on the interior. And he played fantastic this past week in Mobile. I was very, very impressed with how he was so consistent. He was physical and he was not letting anybody buy him. And on the interior, that kind of mean streak is real nice to see. He ended up getting his helmet ripped off and thrown by an LSU defensive lineman, Jordan Jefferson. He replied with, if you're scared, go to church. The ice cube line from the song, go to church. Just absolutely fantastic stuff. So did he play left and right? Which sides did he play during practice? I know for sure he played left. I think he played a little bit of right as well. Um, just good football player. I, he did get some run at center as well. I believe I'm not quite sure what his projection is there. I have not done a full deep dive. I loved, loved what I saw this week. And that's going to be a huge benefit. I got to figure out where my dog is. Oh, he's, he's just sleeping behind me. Well, I, I didn't hear him. If I don't, if I don't hear him or see him, I'm like, is he doing something? I mean, Odie's a teenager now, so got to be extra careful. He's not sneaking out to go hang out with his girlfriend. He's training you for when you have kids. Oh, I was a stepdad for three years. I'm already ready. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about the next one. Louisville cornerback Jarvis Brownlee Jr., admittedly knew absolutely nothing about this guy, nothing. And I came away really impressed last year. Everybody remembers how much I love Darius rush. And maybe it's just this type of player. Brownlee did some of the same things rush did at the senior bowl. And then when I turned on the film that those type of instincts and patience were all over it. So what I'm talking about is when guys beat him on an inside release, Instead of panicking, he stays patient, waits for them to break, and then cuts the route off from underneath. He did that once. He's like, oh, who was that? Brownlee, okay. And then he, the next rep, Dave, he does it again. <laughs> awesome stuff. So having that was great to see. And being able to do consistency was great. I thought Brownlee had great film. I gave him a second round grade. I may be a little higher than the industry on him. I, I love this dude. I love this dude. And some of the things with just being able to mirror and stay so patient and then attack was awesome. It was awesome to see. 
Now, now comes another round belly, Dave, with one of the weirdest stories you're going to ever find in the, in the senior bowl, Georgia state left tackle, Travis Glover. Did you know he was at the senior bowl, Dave? It's okay. If you didn't, nobody else did either because they (laughs) never actually announced he was there. And you know what? On the program for the game, they've had three days to change it. His name wasn't even on there. Like they, they was never actually made clear that he was there, but it, the news was broken by two of my buddies who I was sitting with in the stands, Alex Katz and Devin Jackson, both of whom have been on this program before. And then we figured out, okay, this guy he's new. We figured out who he was. And then we saw a few reps like, okay, this guy is pretty good. So we got back to the Airbnb, turned on the films. Like this dude rocks. Like we're talking like day two kind of film. And it's like, where's this guy hiding? And there's going to be a lot more coming uh, about Glover in, in the coming days, but it was just wild. How it was can wild a left tackle hide? You know it. So let's uh, let's break it down. So he replaced. Um, uh, I can't. It's uh, Flax, the Jordan Flax, I think it is uh, tackle from Kentucky. So look at yeah. look at the Georgia State helmet. It's not too dissimilar from the Kentucky helmet. Not only that, they didn't replace his number. So he was 71 at the senior bowl. So they basically did a one-to-one swap and almost like hoped nobody would notice. And yeah, it didn't work. It didn't fool us. Uh, But Glover, Glover was surprisingly really good. And I'm glad couple more guys left and then we're going to we're going to finish up with some questions and a big announcement. Yes, a big announcement. Next up, Florida State defense tackle Braden Fiske. Impressive football player. I watched him in full last night. Gave him a third round grade and I'll explain that in a minute, but incredibly fast and quick off the ball. Good awareness. Always has an idea for what he's going to be doing but he has a limitation and that limitation is 31 inch arms. So he's got to win with that quickness. He's not going to really wow you with power. He's not going to be able to really stack and shed with any form of successful consistency. 31 inches is, is somewhat debilitating, but I think he can overcome it because of how quick he is and how good off the ball. And I don't know if I take him before round four, but I think round three is a fair spot considering how explosive he is. I think at best, he's just going to be a situational pass rusher and that's fine. Like that, that's a good player to have, but based on if he just had a few inches longer on the arms, you're probably talking about full round up because you're going to be able to see those arms really come into play and really impact the game in a positive way. And he just isn't able to impact the game in a positive way with his arms and being able to stack. And to me, that's a big concern. So for his overall NFL draft prospects, uh, he's a mixed bag, but I thought he was really good this past week. Lastly, Kansas edge, Austin Booker, the name's familiar. He spent two years with the university of Minnesota before transferring to Kansas. He only had, I think, 26 snaps at Minnesota and then had about 520 this past year at Kansas. It's going to be hard to draft a guy super high with that little opportunity on the field, right? 
Well, he dominated in Mobile. And by dominated, he dominated. He was torching these really talented tackles. Spin moves, speed, speed to power. He had a, a plethora of a bit of moves to be able to beat these guys, and he was doing it with success. He's like six, four and a half, 240 pounds. You'd like to see him bulk up the frame a little bit. Some time in a, in a legit NFL weight room. He'll be able to do that, but he's not weak at the point of attack. You just like him to be a little better. Andre Carter was 265 coming out, but it was how he had to train at Army that really limited him initially. I think Booker can step in and be a situational pass rusher right now. And I think that that is something that's going to be really intriguing to teams. I've heard top 25, like, sorry, between 25 and 40 is where Booker will go. And that to me is a little rich, but the talent is blatantly there. Okay. Your phone is here. Hey, what's up, Fat Hawkinson? Um, Yeah, you wish to marry him one day. That's funny. That's very funny. All right. Okay. Couple questions, Dave. Uh, Do you remember what those questions were? One of them was Xavier Leggett and how he played. I'll be honest. Um, he was inconsistent. You would think for a guy who's supposed to be really good at going up and getting the ball deep, being able to track and being able to beat corners that he would do better at it. And he just didn't. Um, the whole NFL world knew he was going to measure in at six one, but that was a shock to a lot of people. Like he is not nearly as tall as you think he is. He may actually could do better losing like 10 ish pounds. Cause he's like 223 at six one. Like he's really good once he's in space with the ball, but it's getting to that point that can be a little tough for him. I, I still think he's a third-round guy. I don't think he's going to be anything more than that. Um, yeah. I will say this, John. You mentioned uh, book like uh, if Hunter Bales, we need more of the situational pass rusher. I'm just talking day one. I'm not talking his whole future. Like, but I think Booker will be um, will be a really good football player. Um, who's that dude asking about Cedric Gray? Um, look, I have no opinion on any of these linebackers. Linebackers, you can't really get anything from them in Mobile, and they didn't do anything to help them. There were no like really uh, running back, linebacker, pass protection drills. Like, you just it sucks to be a linebacker at the Senior Bowl. It does because there's really no way to shine, and that's just kind of the way it is. But Andy Clawwitter yes, asks. How deep is the D line in this draft? Is it as deep as the O line prospects are? Not even close. Um, I think there's some good talent, but there's a significant drop off. Like, uh, next question is uh, K Foot Is Robinson fast enough to get to the QB or is he better at a? Defensive end in the three four, i.e. the five technique. He's a five tech. Um, he's quick enough. He's long enough. He's got good instincts, and he stays patient. Like RPOs, play actions, screens—they're not going to phase him, and he's going to be stay within himself. One thing I noticed is he kind of struggles to finish. And here's what I mean by that: he'll be in position to make a play, and he'll he'll like dive, and he'll be like this close to making the tackle. And I've seen like five of those reps in two games, like. Man, what? Why are you struggling to finish? What? What's holding you back? 
I don't have that answer right now, but it's something I'm kind of monitoring because I'm going to watch at least one more game of his to really get that sense of what he is and what he can do. Um, any more questions, Dave? I've got the uh, Latu Latu on the screen. How yes, we do. Young man, defensive defensive end, do edge rusher. Well. I'm going to tell you, you're going to get a lot more about Laiatu Latu tomorrow when we have the episode of Skull Search. Breaking his game down, I'll say this. He looked the part. But there are still some real concerns. We're going to talk about all the good, all the bad, and break it all down for you tomorrow on Skull Search. You'll want to like, subscribe, and ring the bell, though. Why? We don't have a time yet. I'm just telling you it's going to be tomorrow. And it's it's going to be a fluid situation with all these skull surge episodes. We're going to try and keep them relatively consistent, but that's not how that works all the time. We have lives and we have to be able to adapt and adjust. So ring the bell, make sure that you get those sent to your phone ready to go. And you know what? If you can't join live, that's okay. You'll know it's there and you can check it out later. Also Wednesday, Dave hmm. is the return Mock Draft Monday. Yes, it is Wednesday, but we wanted to talk about Senior Bowl, so we're going to we're going to bring back mock drafts on Wednesday. Dave, I I'm I'm really excited. I can't wait. We're going to do a full 7-round mock for everybody, break it down, and just remember, these are all situations to explore. It helps you That's learn who's available and roughly where they're going to fall at. Mm -hmm. And that to me is beneficial. Yeah. Things change after free agency, obviously, but you're going to look and see going through enough of these, you see the groups of, well, this is the top tier of edge rushers, right? This is the top tier of defensive interior. Then it drops off and you don't Mm -hmm. hit the second tier until the third round, you know, type deal. And that helps place in your mind, well, if this tier is here and this tier is here and I want a quarterback, I need to take a quarterback here or drop down here. And That's where it all comes into play. At least me as a fan, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. We're going to have all those conversations. We're going to break it all down. We're going to have a lot of fun. I, th- I think that gets lost in a lot of these mock drafts and these different situations, Dave. It's fun. It's fun. And we're going to continue that throughout the entire process. We're not going to do one every single week. We're not going to do it every single show. We're going to bust them out. We're going to have a good time. Sorry, you being the Dr. Frankenstein of GMs. I'm going to dun, dun, assemble dun. the monster. <laughs> Well, actually, I was thinking more Steve Austin and the $6 million man, but that works too. Ah, no, that's a good one. We can build it. We have the technology. And with that technology, we're going to use that to end our show here today. Thank you very much for joining us. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast feed. Five stars. Give a nice rating and review. It helps us. Along with that, please like, subscribe, ring the bell with our YouTube channel. It helps us grow more than you know. And we're going to have a lot of really good stuff coming your way. With that, I'm Tyler. He's Dave. We'll see you on Wednesday for a fresh mock draft. Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings.
like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.